We are here to try to explain to you what it is we do here. The solar industry in the U.S. employs more people than Google, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter combined. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Welcome into the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. I am your host, Fred Davis, joined as always by President of eRenewable, Mr. Mike Niemer. Mike, how are you? I'm good, Fred. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, my man, and I uh, appreciate everybody uh, joining us here on the podcast tonight. Uh, another special podcast tonight, uh, episode number five overall, but this is now part number two uh, of our three-part series on the Clean Techs Grid Next 2020 that is happening happening on August 19th. We're very excited about that. Uh, part one, we had co-chair of Clean Techs, Melissa Miller, and we're very excited to have on tonight uh, a chairman, excuse me, board member of Clean Techs and one of the featured speakers at Grid Next 2020 and no stranger to the renewable scene here in the state of Texas, Mr. Ken Donahue, director uh, of engineering of the engineering services group over at Electric Power Engineers. Mr. Donahue, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to chat with us over here at the Green Insider. How are you, sir? Excellent. Everything's going great. All right, let's get this thing started. Well, like I said, we'll get into your background because, again, you are no stranger, over 37 years in the renewable space. But, again, uh, Grid Next 2020, uh, you've been a part of this now for a few years, and so no stranger to the scene as far as Grid Next, uh, the Grid Next goes. A little bit different this year, though, because it is going to be held virtually, and, of course, we all know why uh, with, with the COVID and the corona going on, um, which I'll get your thoughts on, you know, have, you know what, what's the difference or does your approach or your approach change at all uh, given a virtual, you know, a virtual virtual sense versus, you know, being being able to talk to people face to face. But, um, what, what, you know, Grid Next 2020, um, you know, talking about, you know, what are some of the constraints of, you know, where are we at with renewables in uh, the state of Texas in 2020? What are some of the constraints of being able to be 50 percent renewable energy by the year 2030, which is a huge goal for a lot of businesses and for a lot of the folks here in the state of Texas? And I know those are some of the things that you're going to be tackling when those uh, those two particular items come up. Um, you know, kind of what's the focus of your speech and kind of what uh, your message is going to be to the folks at Grid Next? Well, I think the biggest focus of our meeting is we're going to be giving some unique information, some hot off the shelf information. I mean, I, I think the renewables, number one, I like all forms of generation. I especially like renewables and what it's doing and the space it's filling in. It's amazing what we've been able to do in Texas when over the years they've told us, oh, Texas will never go for this. They're an oil and a gas state. But look what we've done. I mean, for, from the, 20 years ago, I remember people telling us that, oh, you can't do this. And we've done it with wind, we're now doing it with solar, we're getting ready to do it with batteries. Uh, and, and then just rooftop solar and community solar is, is coming along. I mean, I think the next five years are gonna be amazing. The landscape is completely changing. And that's kind of what we're talking about it at Grid Next next week, is talking about all those different things and how people are changing uh, with what's going on. And it's, it's particularly what the consumer wants. Uh, that's what's amazing. My biggest concern is number one, reliability reducing disruptions, and transporting that new renewable energy from the sources to the customer. That's my biggest concern right now. I think we're coming up on some roadblocks, as I term constraints. Um, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to resolve it? As we all know, the renewables can come to market in a year to a year and a half. 
when it takes us three to six years to build major transmission projects in Texas, how are we going to handle that in both the planning and operating space? Uh, it's moving a lot quicker than it has in the past. And I know that was one of the things that Melissa talked about. Ken Donahue, uh, director over at Electric Power Engineers, one of the keynote speakers at Grid Next 2020, joining us here on the Green Insider Podcast, is you know, real estate we talked about uh, in, a, in a previous podcast as far as, you know, real estate's not necessarily an issue, and it's kind of what you just said. It's the technology uh, is kind of the next big forefront in the renewable space. And like Melissa t- talked about before is, okay, how do you get that energy where, all right, we've got a cluster of folks here, we've got a cluster of folks here, but you've got all this energy, this wind and solar uh, power being produced, you know, in the middle of nowhere. How do you, and, and obviously that's going to be part of the conversation next Wednesday, but is that is, is that kind of the main focus right now is where, how do we get that transfer, that information, or that, that power from those remote areas to the folks in Pflugerville, in Houston, in insert place where folks are at right now? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the basis of reliability right now. It's not about generation adequacy. It's about deliverability of those, that energy from the sources to the customer. That's what's important. And doing it without any disruptions, that's what the people want. Uh, it's kind of amazing. And then how do you also control those things? How do you model those situations? I mean, we're dealing with variables in nature. We're dealing with chaos in nature. And that's what kind of drives the renewable industry, the sun, the wind. I mean, just like a couple of weeks ago, we had a tornado come on shore. A number of wind plants were shut down because of high wind. Well, how do you resolve that? Uh, who would have thought that scenario would have come to pass? And, and that's kind of the issues we're dealing with right now in the planning environment. And the operators are doing it in real time. They've got to make decisions in seconds and minutes. Uh, That's what's amazing. And that's what we've got to realize how our whole landscape is changing. Would you argue, though, that these are now – that, that I don't I guess you could call them first world problems whereas you know that's a good problem to have now right is that now you're in a situation where okay the the, the systems are up we know that they work but now we're, we're dealing with that next generation of problems like you said how does I mean it sounds kind of crazy when you say it a wind plant has to shut down because the winds were too powerful how do you confront that and what are some of the issues that you deal with when when dealing with something like you know a unique situation where too much wind for the wind plant it, it's part of these new situation that we're, we're learning about and have to handle in the variability. You know, this is not something new in our environment. We had it originally with the original coal peaker plants and, and so on. We had it with the combined cycle plants, nuclear has specific requirements that we have to follow. It's not something new. It's just a new variable that we have to deal in our planning and we have to analyze. We have to model it. We have to look at it. What's the impact? How do we resolve it? Uh, what are the impacts to the customer? What are the impacts to the grid? And so you know, how- oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, back to uh, the windstorm coming through and affecting the windmills and everything, the wind farms. To the person that does, that's listening to this podcast that doesn't know a lot about wind farms, how much, what strength of the wind, how much, what well, I want to phrase, how much wind can a windmill withstand without sustaining damage? Does that make sense? Right. They, they have certain parameters that do. It depends upon the manufacturer, the design, uh, the size of it itself. Um, they have certain wind envelopes that can work at. Same thing with the nuclear plant. If the, if the hurricane is coming toward the nuclear plant, they have certain parameters they have to shut down under also. So same type of thing. We've dealt with this for years. We just got to put them in there and consider them. It's, it's just something that is part of the variability of what's going on right now. Um, but it's really pretty cool how we've handled it. I mean, it's amazing. 
Yeah, so just that technology, I'm sure it's all automated as far as the calculations of, you know, to, to really dumb it down. My windows are going to stand 100 mile an hour wind, right? So I know that I'm good till that. Right. Each of these different uh, wind farms have different dynamics that they have to deal with and they adjust according to what the storm is predicted to do, right? Right. Same thing with yeah. the transmission and distribution and interconnection. I mean, when the lines go down, like what happened in the valley a couple of weeks ago, okay, you got assets that are no longer available. That we had to be very careful. There was a lot of appeals for load to conserve during that time until they got it fixed. So these are things we've dealt with in real life operations um, that we're now having to study a lot more in the planning environment. And we've got to integrate all these different sources. Uh, another big one coming around the corner, demand response. Um, I think there's amazing things that can be done in demand response round. Now, the key point is location. That's the key factor. Same thing with renewables, location. The wires are the things that connect up these different pieces. We don't want to create more disruption. We'd like to solve the disruption with these. And that's the key that we're dealing with right now. When you say demand response, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, example, me at my house uh, today, we've got you know over 100 degrees. I told my wife, I said, Hey, let's back off on stuff. Let's not run appliances during the day and so on. And I've got a lead to I've got a lead certified house. But there are also industries that can back off on certain things. There are certain demand response programs that whether automatic or chosen, they could do it. Uh, these are all things that can help us to manage it. Our biggest issue is, is it in the right place at the right time? And is it enough? That's what, the key. And so, and I know one of the other things that you guys are going to talk about at Grid Next uh, 2020 on August 19th is battery storage. Uh, yes. That seems to be another key factor there, as far as for the you know for folks like you that are ingrained in this. I mean, obviously you know the ins and the outs, but you know to to the average neophyte out there that's trying to figure out, okay, you know, I want, I'd love to put solar panels out there, or I want to be more green, or I want my business to be more green, but at the same time, it's like, well, what do I do about when it's not windy? What do I do when it's not sunny outside? Where's right. that going to go? How do you what, what what part what's you know what are some of the things that you guys are going to touch on on grid storage at Gridnex, and where are we as far as the evolution of of, of battery storage right now? Well, I think battery is going to be the next big game changer in what's going on in our world. The biggest factor around batteries is time. We are able to control the time around when they're going to be available. Example, wind in West Texas, it's, its primary peaking time is early in the morning. Well, wouldn't it be nice if we could charge a bunch of batteries near the load centers and in the afternoon when the load's high, discharge those batteries in a reasonable manner, of course, and, and help that situation. It's going to help us to increase the capability and capacity of our wires that we've got. At the same time, maintain service to the customer. I'd love to have one back here in my house. It's not there yet. Uh, I think batteries are going to be the biggest game changer we've got because of time. Same thing with solar. We know the sun only shines at certain times. Well, batteries could help resolve that issue. Um, it, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be amazing. My biggest concern right now on the grid is all the internet-based resources and maintaining frequency and spending response. That's still my biggest concern. We've got to be able to handle the events on the grid. And I think technology is going gonna, is gonna to solve that pretty soon. I really do. I think there's going to be some fixes out there. Uh, that will help resolve that. But uh, so far, we've handled it well. We've looked at it. Um, the ISOs are monitoring it like crazy. So it's really good. You know, you're talking about the internet. Uh, you know, I've heard people talking about all our kids now having to stay home to educate themselves at home and be homeschooled for now. You know, there's some households that might have four or five kids on the internet for eight hours a day. Yeah. Are making any plans for 
that overload that's about to happen in the next one or two weeks? Well, look, look what we've done. I mean, since March, I mean, look where I'm at. Uh, I don't yeah, go to work anymore. Exactly. Yeah, I don't go to work. In, in, and I had a major contingency last week. Uh, I was out working in the landscape, and guess what I dug up? My fiber line. Fire. Yeah. yeah. I took it down. <laughs> I came back in the house and went, oh, my gosh. So there's yeah. two days using a cell phone hotspot to recover. And I'm not very careful. Luckily, they were able to respond pretty quick and get it fixed. But it's kind of amazing what we're doing now. Uh, schools, our work, uh, just like this. I mean, we're going to be doing the conference online. Uh, who would have thought that in February? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and there's been a fundamental shift in what's going on around what we're doing. Um, and, and I don't ever think it's going back. I will tell you right now. I just don't. Uh, same thing with grocery delivery, food delivery, uh, and so on. Um, I don't think it'll ever go back to normal. The cat's out of the bag. We're going to be doing this for a while. How has the COVID impact? I mean, it's had, it, I get it. It's affected everything. I mean, you just mentioned it. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're doing this by Zoom for crying out loud, and we do this all day, every day. What has been the effect on the renewable space and what you do? How has that been affected by COVID? And not necessarily from a business standpoint, but maybe just from a practicality and fundamental standpoint. I, I think people are adjusting. I think there were a lot of concerns at the beginning. I'm still concerned about the supply chain and so on. Uh, we're still seeing some impacts there. But uh, so far, it seems like we're handling it on projects. Some of the safest places right now are actually out on the, the construction um, it's kind of interesting. I feel safer there than I do at work or at the grocery store. Um, I think we've made some fundamental shifts. Everything's a lot cleaner. Um, we're, everybody's protecting themselves. Um, and I think that's, has been some impact. Um, uh, I will admit there had, there was a slowdown at the beginning. We were very concerned about it, but it seemed to pick right back up. So we saw a slowdown on gender interconnects and NERCOTs for a couple months there. And now it seems to be coming back. I think people are back. They figured out how to get the work done and so on. Our work has not slowed down. In fact, it's actually, we're concerned about, we got too much. So, uh, and that we're trying to figure out how to handle it. And actually, I will tell you, working from home on the fiber has actually made it very nice. We're able to, I honestly think we're a little bit more productive. Uh, we're communicating better. Uh, yeah, I do miss being face-to-face -face with people, but I think it's getting better and better we're working through it um, and so on. Ken Donahue, director at... More efficient at home, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Fred. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, Ken Donahue, electric-powered uh, engineers director there, 37 years of experience in the renewable sector. He's going to be one of the keynote speakers at GridNext 2020. And you, you, you've spoken at Grid, you've spoken at Grid Next events uh, in the past. What's obviously the sustainability being one, the the, the constraints to you know wh wh why how do we get to fifty percent uh, renewable energy by twenty thirty? What are some of the other things that we're going to hear, uh, or one of the some of the other things key keynotes that you're going to be talking about or discussing uh, next week? Well, my group's mainly on the West Texas constraints and, and the renewable development out there. How's how's that being handled? But I also think we got some pretty good ones talking to the cities about what they're doing. Also, the e-mobility. Um, I'm very interested in that, especially with, uh, with Tesla coming to Austin. It's kind of amazing. Uh, I mean, I've honestly now been thinking maybe I need to get a Tesla. I've thought about it. Now, my only problem is I told my wife, I said, hey, I'm not putting any miles on the car, so I don't know if I'm ready to buy yet. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't put a thousand miles on the car in months. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I used to drive to B Cave every day from Pflugerville, you know, and it, yeah. it was a normal thing. But now it's like, hey, you know, I kind of like this community. Uh, I also think it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm wondering with 
I'm sorry for the you know the airlines and the travel industry. It's down, but I'm wondering what the environmental impacts of what we're doing on the renewable space, along with the changes in what we're doing. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts over the next years. So um, I'm not driving as much. I'm not using as much gas. Uh, there's a lot fewer airlines flying over my house to land in Austin. It's very noticeable. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of months on uh, the environmental space. Um, so even West Texas, the load growth out there, it's, it's kind of slowed down a bit. It's coming back. Um, we're watching it. I, I think that's amazing. Um, what's also kind of amazing is how Texas, we handle all forms of energy. Doesn't matter where it comes from, the sun, the wind, you know, storage, uh, oil and gas. It's kind of amazing what we've been able to do. Yeah, we're in for a new normal, that's for sure, before yeah. this is all over. And it's gonna be a hybrid of where we're at now and where we came from in the beginning. Yeah, and things are changing. And that's yeah, what we Yeah, absolutely. Working. Yeah. And you have to change with it or you're gonna be left behind. Well, that's right. Well, it's just like when you grocery shop, I'm not able to get everything I need. Okay, how are we gonna adjust? What's the variables? You know, my wife talked about that all the time, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's different. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at the, uh, the the event from a virtual standpoint, like I said, you you you've gotten used to the, doing this uh, with your folks over there uh, at the Electric Power Engineers, and you said yes, you prefer the face to face. I mean, I, I think to some extent oh, yeah. we all do. Um, what's kind of your expectation uh, for the event? Have you and have you ever been a part of a virtual uh, convention quite like this before? No, I, I have not, and I'm in another one also. But this one, I want to see how it's going to go. It's the first one I've done. Uh, I do, I will tell you, I miss meeting the people. I hate, I, I miss the one-on-one -on -one interaction. Um, the personal aspects of it, I think you get a lot more in the hall conferences than you do in the actual conference itself. The social events, I miss that, I, I will tell you honestly. Uh, but what, what's exciting, we weren't able to stop. We're able to go forward. Uh, we were very concerned, were we able, you know, at the board, were we able to do this? How are we going to do it? Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how this goes the first time. A lot of people are doing it. So my question is, how's the interaction going to go? Is it going to be enough? Um, just like at work, we're over communicating everywhere. That's what I want to do here. Um, hopefully people are not bashful because it's on a camera and maybe being recorded. Um, and, and that's sometimes the director interaction outside of the meeting is what I'm missing. Ken, what's the... Uh, Registration's been like so far. Have you had uh, more or less than you expected? I, I don't know, but I, I want to sell this thing out. I, I really would like yeah. to. Yeah, you know, I'd like well, to. We do I'd too. Like to, yeah, I'd like to have the problem where we don't have enough space. So right. the other one I'm on, uh, it, it sold out. They actually filled up all their space that they had allocated, which was I was surprised at. So it's pretty cool. That's not until September. Yeah. But this one's the first one, but we'll see. I, I hope everybody comes out. I think we got a lot more time. I think we got a lot of important information to share, um, and it's all over the space. It's not in one particular segment. Now I know you're obviously you're, awesome. you're going to be a big part of this. Uh, Peter Kelly Detweiler from Forbes Magazine. Yeah. He's one of the he's, he's kind of your uh, uh, MC of the event, and obviously he's going to give a little uh, uh, speech there at the top of the top of the show. Uh, what what uh, what other folks are, are you looking forward to hearing from, and, and uh, who are some of the other names that for folks out there that, that are uh, kind of on the fence about whether they want to attend, or for people that are still new to this event, uh, who they might want to check out. Well, being the first year with the merger between Tree and Cleantechs, we've got a completely different mix of people. Young people, older people, 
developers, people from out of state and so on. I'm hoping that the fact that we're being virtual allows us to reach out further. I think that's what's going to be neat. You don't have to travel. You know, you don't have to justify your boss. Hey, I'm going to this event. I'm out of the office three days. I got travel expenses. You know, hopefully this makes it easier. And hopefully we get a lot more interaction with a much diverse mix. I think it's very important that we got a lot, lot of diversity in what's going on. You were part of TRIA uh, before before uh, the merger happened. And of course, I know the merger started late uh, late last year, and then of course it was, became official in March. And as uh, Melissa so uh, beautifully pointed out in her podcast, uh, this this pesky COVID kind of uh, you know buried your guys' news, but still, you guys, as you said, soldiered on. Uh, what's been some of the advantages uh, of the two entities coming together to form Clean? Well, basically, you had Clean Tech that was already there, TRIA was already there, but you went ahead and stuck with the Clean Tech's name. What's been some of the advantages that you've seen? And you've been able to uh, experience with the two uh, two groups coming together? Number one, I think we got a, a very energetic group. Cleantex is very energetic, younger. I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, their viewpoints have been exciting to hear. Um, I think we're getting more of a mix of the cities, the e-mobility in here where we didn't have before. Primarily before, we were a lot of developers just hearing things. Uh, this is a completely different mix of people. So we're getting a lot more different viewpoints. Because of the two groups coming together, and as you mentioned, folks from all different walks of the renewable life, um, you know, young, old, everywhere in between, you had different viewpoints. But again, you guys were able to put more heads together and get this thing kicked off and to be able to put this thing on in the first place amidst what we're going on right now. Um, I will tell you, it's been very refreshing. Um, it, it, it's a can-do attitude. It's about how it's not. We can't do this. Is like, how can we do this? Exactly. How can we work through this? And, and that was a big factor. It wasn't, oh no, this is horrible, gloom and doom. It's like we're going to make this happen. How do we do it? Yeah. And that that, that was refreshing. And that seems to be, you know, and 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 you know, we're we're in episode five of, of this podcast now. Uh, the Green Insider, powered by E Renewable, that seems to be the one thing with with the folks in the renewable space. Um, you know, where I, we get it, oil and gas, it's it's been tried and true for you know a couple hundred years now, so we understand that. Whereas renewable, um, you know, there is a sense of being the new kid on the block, and it's it you, you, you literally, if you don't have a can-do attitude in the renewable space, then you really don't belong there. Right. I, I, exactly. I mean. I remember in the early days of wind and ERCOT, people said, oh, this is what's going to happen. That's going to happen. It was kind of funny. Every single prediction we blew through, mm -hmm. you know, we had a lot of these naysayers. Well, that's never going to happen. Well, look where we're at today, you know, and we worked through it just like we do with the other forms of energy. Work through it. What do the people want? How do they want it? What are the pieces? You know, we want everybody to be successful. Uh, we want to have a reliable grid. We want to have a clean grid. Uh, all those things. Let me ask you this. You've been doing this 37 years. From where you were at when you started, like you said, you, you, you know, all these expectations that you guys blew through, blew through the predictions. I know when you and I chit-chatted on the phone earlier this week, uh, one of the things you talked about that really, uh, uh, you know, got you excited was when you guys beat California in, in wind production. Mm -hmm. Are you surprised, impressed, satisfied, encouraged, or even more uh, you know, amped up for where you were at, where this industry is 37 years later from where you were at when this thing started? Oh, I, I think it's amazing what's going on right now. I mean, the energy in the industry, uh, what what's happening in our space right now, completely different than 20 years ago, much quicker, much faster. Um, I, I think it's, 
it, it's so refreshing. I mean, that's why I, I could have gone back and retired and just sat back, but I didn't. Uh, I had an opportunity to go back mentally, physically. It, it, it's been amazing to do this and to get into this space to help these guys go through this, to understand all the nuances. How can I feel right now? My overall task is I've got a lot of experience I'd like to pass on. I want to teach our younger set, hey, this is the reason why this happens. This is why this is important. Understanding the regulatory process is the biggest key. You know, uh, I remember coming to EP the first time I had some people ask it, well, why do the utilities do this? I said, well, let me explain the difference between capital expenditure and O&M expense. <laughs> and once I explain those differences, they, oh, now I know why they're doing it. You know, and they're, they're fairly risk averse on, on NERC and compliance requirements. Same thing on the generators. It's very important that they understand those things and comply with those and do good. So those, that's what I think I can bring to this space and help out and bring our younger generation more into the knowing. I think that's what I'm here on earth to do. Are you seeing more, and, and you talked a little bit just a second ago about, uh, you know, getting excited about Tesla coming to Austin. Couple that with what you're seeing, and just like I said, with what you're seeing, the, the advancements of, um, uh, you know, re renewables. Are, are we starting to see now more of a, of a mainstream buy-in now versus, you know, like you said, 10, 20 years ago, everybody was, hey, listen, I, I need to know that when, my, when I flip that switch, my lights turn on, gas pumps right around the corner. But now with Tesla coming to town, uh, again, and, and, and again, the, the solar, the wind, are you starting to see more renewable mainstream buy-in? Yeah, a lot more, a lot more. Just, just my own neighborhood, the number of panels that are on the rooftops that I've seen. You know, and talk to them about their experience. You know, I've got, I reached out to them and go, "Hey, what do you think about this? Work? What would you do?" It's kind of amazing what they what they've done and why they did it. Um, we've got a number of hybrid vehicles. We've got a number of Teslas in the neighborhood. Um, and, and this is not an upper crust neighborhood. This is you know your middle class neighborhood that I live in. And I picked it that way on purpose. But it's been very nice. But yes, the public wants it. They want the buy-in. They want more of it. And we've not had a lot of disruptions. Um, Mother Nature's done more than, you know, one thunderstorm coming to comes through more than anything else. So, what does Tesla coming to Austin do for the renewable sector, and what is what does Tesla mean to the renewable sector? Well, to me, Tesla they, they've been out front all the way through. I don't know how many people said, "Oh, you can't do this," and Elon's gone through. Look what he's gone. I mean, he keeps reaching. You know, he doesn't stop. And I think that flavor is going to be here in Austin now too, with the truck and with the Model Y. We've also got Apple coming. We've got, example, right here in Pluto, we've got an Amazon fulfillment center coming into town. It's under construction right now. All these different things I think is just so energizing. And it's so good for our young people and the base we've got. Uh, it, it's going to be very, very good. Ken, I know we're talking about the uh, conference. You can tell from the enthusiasm in your voice, you have a true passion and heart for this the renewable space. Oh, yeah led you into this market 30 plus years ago? I mean, it was something you studied in college. Where'd that come from? No, I, I actually started out as a young pup budget engineer uh, many, many years ago, writing work authorizations and then planning the system. You know, I worked for Texas Utilities and Keo Electric for a number of years, planning the system. Um, I really just like the idea of a mix of resources. I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. Uh, because if you put everything into one technology, then if there's a fundamental flaw in that technology, how are you going to recover? 
Um, same thing in the, in the reliability space. I've always been about reliability, maintaining service to the customer, maintaining service to and generate your customers, loads of customer, uh, everybody's out there. And that's kind of in my space. So it's just exciting what we're doing now. And it's just exponentially increased with what's going on right now. We keep hearing that uh, now that costs are starting to kind of come down a little bit and, and, and with the, where wind, you know, that was always the issue, but then the cost came down, and so we saw it, an influx in wind, and now we're starting to see the same thing with solar. Where do you see solar going, and is that kind of the big, you know, aside from battery storage, is solar kind of getting ready to go on its next big run? Well, just like uh, the other day, last month, I saw uh, the July peak for ERCOT. Almost 3,000 megawatts was there for solar. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Whereas a year ago, it was less than half that. And it's filling in the space when we have peak load. You know, at the same time the wind was going down, the solar was coming up. And about the time the solar was coming down, the wind was going up. Um, now, looking at all these different pieces and make sure we fill in the gaps and make sure we don't have any disruptions of any type, that's going to be key to the operators and the planners. And, and that's why I kind of like this space. And here's the other thing that's coming on. The space between transmission and distribution is disappearing. Distribution is going to be a factor in the future. Between load, batteries, rooftop solar, community solar, distribution, that line, the old line of the substation is going to be disappearing. We're going to have distribution upfeeding on the transmission. It's going to, it's going to be a game player. So again, how do we handle that in the space? In your heart of hearts, will the state of Texas, will we reach 50% uh, renewable energy by 2030? Oh, I think so, without a doubt. Okay, we beat the uh, wind goals early. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're heading toward the solar is really picking up very well. The batteries are going to be in the space. Yeah, by 2030, we're going to be at 50%. I- I'm going to make a prediction. I think we're going to be up at 60. Uh, oh, I wow. Mean, that's me. Well, Texans always like to exceed goals. No, they certainly do. Uh, and then I see the other day where I think it was what Chevron or no, I'm sorry, maybe it was Philip sixty six uh, that just uh, opened up the lar- their largest renewable uh, plant. Oh, uh, I think it was in the Bay Area uh, yeah. th- this week. So I mean, you're starting to see. And, and let me ask you this: What does that mean? Because I know Shell has made a huge effort here in the last few, uh, probably the last decade or so. Uh, I know they've made a tremendous investment uh, over in Europe. Uh, to renewable space, especially to the electric side of things, you've got the EDP renewables of the world. Um, you know, you've got your 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 Vestas of the world. I mean, we we see what they're doing. But what is it going to mean as we're going to see start to see more and more of the fossil fuel companies, the BPs, the Shells, the Exxon's? What is it going to mean when now that they're starting to come on board in the renewable space? Well, just just like NRG, NRGs has changed what they're doing. I, I think they've gone over on the ship. Before they were totally gas and oil production and now they're getting the battery in the renewable space yeah that's been a fundamental shift for all these companies they're realizing that hey i'm here in business how am i going to maintain business mm-hmm. that's what they're focusing on so and and i think that's fixed now i think gas and nuclear has a very important place for maintaining our grid and keeping the system strength up uh but at the same time we're going to have these different technologies impacting how operations is done Said, I mean, so you're you're saying sixty percent by twenty thirty, but you're overall you're you're very encouraged by the by the progress you're seeing. What's the one not to play Debbie Downer here, but I mean, obviously we got to play devil's advocate. What's the one thing that could halt this progress or not get us to where we're trying to be in twenty thirty? What's that? What's that one kind of elephant in the room that maybe uh, you guys concern yourselves with? Well, I mean, it's kind of like Puerto Rico. Look what happened to them. If they had been all uh, renewable, uh, look what happened to their solar farms. What happened to their 
to their wind farms mm -hmm. uh, in, in a hurricane like that. Some natural event, which we have no control over. You know, Mother Nature teaches us all, you know, all the time. She can I'm give it and she can take it away. Yeah, oh, I know, I know. That, that's, what's, that's what's scary. Um, these things are vulnerable too to certain things. Um, you know, I worry about uh, hail farms on top of solar panels on, the, on houses. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we haven't had that. Um, you know, and I think that's something I'm concerned with. There are things we cannot control, you know, as humans, you know, yeah, that's beyond true. us. Right. Nope. That's the thing that I don't know about. Yeah, just uh, for a point of reference, Ken, as we're going to grow to 20 to 50 to 60 percent by 2030, where are we at right now, percentage rise in 2020? What, how, where do we stand? I, I don't know. I haven't looked at it lately. I probably need to. So I haven't looked at it, but I, I, I've been impressed. Where we've seen, yeah. Well, we've seen where, where renewables is, be, is now beating out coal. That's kind of interesting. Um, right. We've seen that. A lot more of the energy is coming in from renewable resources. We've seen some um, the highest you know, levels of renewable running in both SVP and ERCOT. Um, I love seeing those no, news announcements. Uh, it's amazing how much is coming in. The uh, Grid Next 2020, Wednesday, August 19th. We're very excited about it. Obviously, go to uh, cleantx.org to learn more. Register for the event. There are obviously spots still open. Uh, obviously, we want to go there. The, the event kicks off at what, 0900, 9 a.m.? Uh, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. on Wednesday, yep. And then uh, the big event with uh, Ken, you're kicking off. What time's your uh, What time's your speech start or what time's your, your... We're, we're right after the lunch break. Okay, all right. Okay, so okay, so you're going – You you've got – a, a, a big deal on your hands end because you know you, you're talking to people on a full belly so you better have good information for people well you see how energetic i am uh, that's <laughs> why they put me right after lunch <laughs> that's right who better to keep everybody uh, on yeah. their toes after lunch than ken donahue that's well, i'd sure. rather have that spot than four o'clock in the afternoon i'll tell you any day so <laughs> very true very true now, very important pkd starting out in the morning with his summary i learned at something every single time I hear him speak. And who's that? Tell you, PKD, Peter Kelly Detweiler. First oh, okay, speaker, gotcha, first gotcha. Pro. I will tell you, every year I learn something new from his talk. Perfect. Every single year. I'm not going to miss that part at all. So I, I think that's probably the best summaries we've had. Um, you know, and, and I've been here for 37 years, seen a lot of different things. Every year he wows me with something new that I didn't know about. So we're always learning. We're always growing. And I think that's what's important. Uh, and they can, like I said, they can check out the event, cleantx.org, cleantx.org. Uh, and, again, the, the beauty of this event is going to be, too, in year, whereas years past, obviously, it was live, and that, obviously that's great, too. But this thing's going to be recorded, so if you do miss parts of it, you can always go back to cleantx.org and learn more about it. Uh, real quick, what are you working on right now? I, I, I just uh, checking out y'all's website over there at Electric Power Engineers. I mean, first of all, you guys got a star-studded group over there that uh, – uh, of, of basically a who's who of the uh, renewable space. But, you know, when you look at where you guys got projects going on right now, I mean, you guys, when you say international, there is no shortage of events and uh, shortage of products, uh, projects that you guys are working on right now. Uh, what are you dabbling in right now? My biggest one is the integration of Lubbock into the ERCOT system, getting them off of FCP and into ERCOT. Uh, we're less than 10 months away from that. Uh, that's been my biggest project to get them over in. That helps solve some of the panhandle issues, incorporates over 400 megawatts of peak load, summer peak load and over 100 megawatts of generation up in the panhandle that's gonna help stabilize and improve the transmission capability up in the panhandle. 
that's my biggie one. We've got a bunch of other smaller projects going on, helping developers uh, get online. Um, just today, we're talking about a new international opportunity in Tunisia. So that may kick off next year. So uh, that, that they want me to help, help on that one. So it, it's a nice mix of different things. And I will tell you, it's never boring at EPE. And we're always looking for excellent talent to join us and join our quality team. We've got an excellent group of engineers with some of the highest quality I've seen in the industry. You know, for a guy that said he was thinking about retiring, uh, looks like you've got your, your plate full and didn't look like uh, you're going to be going anywhere anytime soon. No, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Again, um, I want to say mentally and physically active. I really want to help the youngsters out and have them grow, and we've been able to do that. When I got there, we were 28 engineers. Now we're over 50, and we're going to continue to grow in a nice nice space. Uh, and we're, yeah, we're a small firm, so we can really care, but we're big enough that we can handle large projects at the same time. So that's what's cool. And then last but not least, get you out of here with this, uh, clean techs. Again, you talked a little bit about, uh, um, you know, having the, the, the merging of, of, of young, uh, experienced talent like yourself. Where, what's kind of the next step, and what, what, what do you hope to see clean TX progress? Yeah, I'd like us to continue to grow. I, I certainly want people to consider membership. Come join us. Uh, it'll save you. The information we provide is valuable. Uh, the interchange is important. Uh, I think we can help you guys out. A lot of people... It's a nice information resource and a good exchange of information so we can help companies grow and individuals grow at the same time. Fantastic. Ken, I, I can't thank you enough uh, uh, for taking time out of your, your week, and uh, I know we're, we're looking forward to hearing you talk next week, and, of course, then again, uh, we're looking forward to talking, uh, hearing from PKD as well. So it looks like it's going to be another fantastic event, virtual, whatever it is. Like I said, you guys haven't let the pandemic slow you down one way or another, and uh, I expect nothing but top-notch information and just a, a stellar presentation uh, on Wednesday, August 19th. Cool. Thank you, sir. And thanks for inviting me tonight. This this was good to interchange, too. I like this. Thank you very much to Ken Donahue, director over at Electric Power Engineers, also board member for Clean Techs. Uh, Mike, once again, just great information that, from the folks over there at Clean Techs. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, the renewable, we're using the podcast as a mechanism to educate all the listeners. And on the Green Insider, we hope to continue on a weekly or bi-monthly basis to bring education to the marketplace, whether you're a municipality, you're a school district, whether you're a university or you're in the corporate world and you're a CNI customer. We're trying to educate and help you to learn something every single week. So hopefully our subscribing base grows, our listener base grows, and everybody log in wherever you get your podcast, right? But Fred? That's absolutely right. And like I said, the nice thing is we're over there. You can catch us at uh, both on Apple iTunes podcast as well as Google Play. So definitely check those out. Leave us a review. Five stars is preferable. And if you don't, well, you know, go ahead and just give us a five star anyway because it's the least you could do. And because, hey, you're going to learn something. You're going to learn more about renewable energy than before you logged on. We can promise you that. So part two of the three-part Clean Text Grid Next 2020 series in the books. Once again, huge shout out and thank you to one Mr. Ken Donahue. If you missed the first part of the series go check it out it's on apple itunes as well melissa miller who's the co-chair of the clean text she'll also have a uh, you may see her at grid next 2020 as well it's definitely worth the price of admission so those first two and then of course we'll have a recap after it's all said and done so definitely stick around for that so once again thank you guys so much for tuning in to the green insider powered by e-renewable for the one the only mike Niemer. i am fred davis 
the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. eRenewable, where we make going green a whole heck of a lot easier. Good night. God bless. Black hole sun, won't you come? Wash away.